Hello and welcome to Mirror Fighting's The Boxing Hour with me, Martin Dolman. This week we are on location near Wembley for Martin Murray against Billy Joe Saunders in the bubble at Matchroom's residency. Martin Murray, of course, in his fifth world title fight, four defeats so far. But this first one in the UK takes on WBO super middleweight champion Saunders, who hasn't always looked great. Maybe this is Martin's chance. On this week's show, I speak to Martin Murray about training with Jamie Moore, about his four world title fights to date, and about why this one might be different. Then I speak to Jamie Moore, his trainer himself, who's very honest about their tactics going into this fight. Both Jamie and Martin talk about Oliver Harrison, who sadly lost his life at the start of last year. And then finally, I speak to promoter Eddie Hearn about this show, about Anthony Joshua fighting Tyson Fury, and also about that age-old argument pay-per-view. Please do give the podcast a rating and a review if you enjoy it. Without further ado, here is my first guest, Martin Murray. Two years ago, when you fought Hassan and Dan, yeah. you said life is about family, boxing is just a job. Yeah, it's still is. Can't keep doing it. Yeah. So, what, so we're here now, Billy Joe Sanders, in a few days. What's yeah. changed? Um, God, nothing's changed. It, it is still a job. It's a way of providing for my family. Um, so yeah, boxing is not my life, but it is my life. If, if, if that, my family is my life, but um, boxing's played a big part in it. It's, it is, it is just a job. But I mean, the difference from from then to now was just my outlook on it. Like you know what I mean. I'm, I'm back then I was obsessed with winning the world title. And I had, it was unhealthy. I look back now in hindsight, and it, it was unhealthy, like you know what I mean. Um, so I think these past couple of years, we've just over, we're coming up to two years now. Well, it's 22nd December, it was, wasn't it? Um, I went straight on holiday after that fight. You know, I only seen my wife and kids Christmas Day, my family. Um, I'd not seen them for obviously for about a week before that. And then he had to, I went over to Asia, he was on a cruise in Asia. And you know, I just thought, start after that fight, you know, it was an off night for me. I accept that. Um, but I still thought I won the fight. I thought I was unlucky not to get the decision, especially at home. And then when I got back, you know, I thought, if I can't get any luck against a foreign fella at home, what chance have I got? of getting, you know, luck abroad or anything like that. And I just thought, I accepted that. You know what, it's just one of them. I've got no luck. Just one of them. I lost the obsession with a world title and I'm just going to do boxing for enjoyment now. And, you know, I had a chat with Jamie. We had a meeting. When I got back, I followed him. He was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, just get it in gym. So anyway, I started PT and by doing that, I got the love for boxing again. Went to the gym, had a fight. Got back in gym, had another, and then, I mean, the dream, the little fire was always there, but then as the time went on, it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you could just see, you could see the um, the big fight was coming, and I knew there was always a big fight in me. I, I didn't think it would have been Billy Joe, if I'm honest. Um, I thought that was well gone, especially when I left Matchroom to go to Warren for him, and then he went to Matchroom and left me Warren. I just thought, wow, I've been done, are you proper? Um, so I didn't think it was going to be against him, but I just knew there was one major fight. And like I said, I thought, you know, I've got no luck, so I'm not ex- I'll, I'll train to win, but I'm not expecting to get a bit of luck. But it, but if I get a few quid, then at least security for me, for me, Gem and Kids, you know what I mean? And for our future. Um, so, yeah, that's... That, that, like I said, in terms of like looking at it like a job, it is still like that. But um, but yeah, I mean the fact that I've got this fight, I'm really surprised, and you know I've left no stone unturned, and I'm I'm ready, I'm ready for it, really ready. So now that it's not an obsession, what's the sort of? I'm assuming that doesn't mean that you've taken your your mind off it. So no, oh the... no, I've, I've worked, mate. Honestly, this camp I've grafted. I've had a camp where I've not had for, for for years the type of camp you have when you have in the big major, in the big uh, world title fights. Do you know what I mean? It's it, it's been a it's been a top camp. Um, so what's different about it is um, just my outlook. It 
you know, it's it's just quite, I don't know, it feels just like the stress has gone, do you know what I mean? It's been like dead liberating, like I just, I, I just feel like loads more at peace with myself and content, do you know what I mean? Which is not only good for me, it's good for everyone around me, so, so yeah, it, it's not like I've, you know, I've not been training, I've grafted as hard as I've ever grafted, and the thing is, when you get older, it gets harder anyway, so you could say I've worked the hardest I've ever worked, you know what I mean? Um, so how does that mental, that sounds like you're in a better mental place, how does that translate, do you think, on Friday night, into, the, into actually having to fight? Just using, just using the experience, you know, I, I, look back and I look back at that in damn fight and I had, I, I just had an off night and uh, someone as experienced as me should not, have, should not have had a night like that, I should have used my experience and instead of just fucking falling around, plodding, uh, you know, we won't hit him so far. Uh, he's, no, he, he was punching, but he won't, he won't get in through. He got through every now and again with an uppercut, but it didn't hurt me. And that was my problem. He just looked busy, even though we still far won the fight. I know where I went wrong. Um, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, it translates to Friday into me using all my experience that I've gained over the years. Thank you very much. U using it and really using it, you know what I mean? Boxing smart. Boxing smart, using everything to my advantage, things that work for me, and if it's not working for me, use my head. You know, I've, I've got a great boxing brain. Um, I'm, I know my way around the ring, and it's just about using all my experience that I've gained over the, over the past, what, 10, 12, 14 years. You, you mentioned this fight should have happened two years ago. I think it was scheduled twice, wasn't it? And then yeah. And so both times. Is there... Are you different in two years, do you think, Billy Joe Saunders is different um, two Different in what I think, different in, in a way where he's better because he's here and he's trained for it. And I know he's, I know he's not going to um, left no stone and turn himself. I know he's grafted. I know he's going to be in top condition. So it's different in that way. Um, but dif different in myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit older, but I'm, I'm, I'm wiser. You know, I think, I think if this fight would have happened two years ago, it would have definitely been in Billy Joe's best interests. You know what I mean? I really do feel that, and I think it took me from the lesson of of. Having that shit year, because it was a shit year that for me, having that crap year and obviously finishing it off with that loss against them damn, I think it took that, um, it took that um, for me to, to, to really realise um, that if I had gone in, obviously the unhealthy obsession, but if I had, if I had gone in with that mentality, and I fought Billy Joe that way, and I got beat. So I think it's a lot better for me fighting him now than it was two years ago, even though I'm two years older. Everyone knows you've had four world title fights. It would be, it would almost be just like you almost to win a world title in a year. You weren't supposed when Billy Joe was supposed to have Canelo, so yeah. this fight wasn't on the horizon at the start of the year. It would be almost the perfect end for you to win a fight you weren't really supposed to have that was cancelled twice before. Yeah, you haven't exactly. Everything happens for a reason, everything. So is it, is it as much a surprise to you as maybe it was some other people that this fight's happening? Um, yeah, support, like I said, I knew there was one big fight left in me, but it, I, I didn't think I'd get, I didn't think I'd get Billy Joe. Um, but I just think the fact that it is him and the year that everyone's had and, you know, the fact, like I just said, where I went over to Warren to fight him and then he went Matt Trim and then I'm fighting him. I've come back over to I'm fighting him with Matt, uh, uh, with, you know, I'm under Matt Trim. Um, I just think it's like dead ironic, everything about her. And, you know, I'm taking any positive I can get from it. And I really just do feel that everything's just falling into place for, for me to just, to be a world champion. You know, no one's ever done it in five. But why not? 
because now that the younger Indies I that have, and I've been through some tough times over years, picking myself up off that couch, you know what I mean? It's been hard, but I've done it, I've been doing it for a reason, and I truly believe this is it. You have Jamie in your corner, of course, but how much? <laughs> not are you doing it for Oliver, but how much is, is he? It's all about Oliver Friday. Mm. Yeah, obviously, Jamie Knight, absolute legends. Um, just. Just obviously a lot love the pair of them, what they've done for me. Can't really put into words. Um but the, you know, they're so similar in how in how they train. Um you know, the very intelligent trainers, um especially Jamie as well being there and, and, and you know, done it all. I've been in them um you know, I think three fights a year and you know, he's proper fighters fighter and he's experienced. All so clever, very intelligent, um, very smart trainer. Um, but it's always been about you know winning the world title. When I was with Oliver, it was just about winning it and dedic dedicating it to him. It, you know, so the fact that he's not here um, just makes it more that bit more special. Like, you know what I mean? And the, 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 there's only one person. It's about on Friday, and obviously it's about me. Of course, it's about me and my family. Um, but there's only one person it's getting dedicated to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know you've known Jimmy for a long time, but how important was it that he was there at the time that, that Oliver passed for you to see? Me and Jay has been close for years. So, you know, when I first went to Oliver's 2007, Jamie was there. <clears throat> um, and then forget what year he retired now, but even when he retired, we've always kept in touch. He's always been there for advice and, you know, I've met up for a coffee and had a little chat about this, about that. And in 2016 or 17, I was struggling at Oliver's gym and, you know, my motivation and Jamie started coming, helping out, you know, just... So he's, he's, he's always he's always been there. So so when everything, everything happened with all... Um, almost still alive, but it was the natural progression to go with... Jamie, do you know what I mean? It was just, it, it, there was no place that I'd ever, ever gone. I'd, I'd have always gone to him. It's just been natural just to, just to go there. And we've got that same type of bond that we had with Oliver. And um, we both, we both understand each other. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, it was, I don't want to say good, but it, it, it's nice that, you know, when, even though it's not a nice experience, you can still, Share it with somebody who can relate, and you know you can relate the type of pain that you're feeling, they're feeling type thing. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm assuming he hasn't changed you as a fighter, uh, Jamie. But has he made certain tweaks here and there? Yeah, you have to, mate. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, we've. Yeah, we we just. There's definitely been changes. We've been working on things. Um, Pretty much, pretty much like we did with all the things we were good worked on, the things we were bad we were worked on, and you know, um, trying different things. And this is the good thing with this fight with Billy Joe. We've had that many, well, we've said we've had that many, we've, we've had a long time to prepare for them. We have, and there's things where we've tried and we was like, right, we think this will work, and we tried it, and then it does work, and then it doesn't work, and then shit, we're gonna have to try this, and you know, we've, 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 we've tossed and turned with every idea uh, between us, and We've, you know, we've we've kind of come up with with the idea of how we're going to fight him Friday, and we think, well, we know it's the only way you can beat Billy Joe. And lastly, are you getting Billy Joe at a good time? Um, no, I don't think I am. No, like I just said, the fact that he's here, he's fit, he's ready. Uh, it really feels like he wants to make a statement. Um, so no, I'm not looking at thinking, oh well the Canelo fight's gone, he's head, he didn't want this fight, his head's in the wrong place, his head's on it. And I know he's going to be coming, uh, coming into the ring Friday in the best shape he's ever been in, and that's what I've prepared for him for. Jamie, thank you for joining me. I know you've been involved in, in big fights as a fighter and a trainer, but does this feel different, special, because of how close you and Martin are? Yeah, it does, it feels, it feels different in, in the fact that, you know, this, it feels more emotional. Um, because of the situation, because of me and Martin, obviously been gym mates for 
well, we were student mates for five years and, and you know, going back 15 years ago when he first came. So there's been a there's been a lot of stuff we've been through together and then my involvement with with Martin sort of world title shots in the past where I was working in Germany for the Stern fight for Sky and then I was involved in the training part of it, helped him doing some sparring with the Sergio Martinez fight. So I was over in Germany when he, when he lost to Arthur Abram. So I've seen the heartache and I've seen the, the sort of emotionally involved. It's been like a roller coaster. He should have been a world champion. And then to be in this position where you know, Oliver's cruelly been taken away from us and he's, and he's, and he's not here to, to witness, hopefully, Martin becoming world champion. But for me to be in a, a, a position where knowing how close Martin and Oliver were and for him to put that trust into me and hopefully we can then go on and sort of achieve what Martin and Oliver tried four times to achieve and, and never quite done it. Um, it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, I feel honoured to be to be able to be in a position where where we can hopefully go in there and pull it off. Emotions are not always a good thing, I suppose, when you when you're trying to sort of look at, especially a boxing fight, isn't it? At the end of the day, emotions aside, it's two men have got a, got a fight. But are you confident these emotions can be channeled in a positive way? I suppose. I think emotions are always more difficult to sort of navigate when. The younger you are, the less experienced you are. The first time you're doing it, you know, it's, it, it's always trial and error. So, you, so I think as time goes on, the more mature you get, the more times you've been through that situation, you learn to control them better, use them to your advantage. Um, so Martin's 38, Martin's been there, done it. He's had the heartache. Um, but he's also at the stage where a lot of people think, oh, he's past his best and, you know, is he going to be able to pull it off or have that one last big effort? Emotion in that situation can be what makes the difference between winning or losing. You know, if you're emotionless going into the eighth round and you don't care about winning enough and you're 38 and you feel like it's the end of the line, then you're not going to have that passion and desire to push yourself over the line. And I feel like this fight is probably best happening now for mine than it was two years ago because I feel like in that sort of two-year period, two-and-a-half-year period, he was gone into a period of time where he felt like he was probably going to retire soon. Um, he wasn't going to get an opportunity again. But then he sort of come full circle and accepted the fact that he probably wasn't going to get an opportunity again but decided to carry on fighting just for the love of it. He said, I'm just going to box, so I enjoy it. I'm going to finish off my career with a smile on my face and just enjoy myself. And then out of the blue, this opportunity's come. So he's gone from being content and happy and going, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy boxing, to getting one more chance. Not, no, there's very, very, very few people get the opportunity. Also, there's very few people who get the opportunity but are still knowledgeable, young enough, aware enough, capable enough of putting in a performance which could win a fight. So, you know, I feel like the knowledge I've got over the last 10 years since I retired from boxing, since I started working with TV companies and analysing boxing more, has been invaluable. I feel like Martin Murray's got that sort of experience and knowledge in his own mind, but he's still physically capable of doing it. I know I'd be a much better fighter now if I was physically capable of doing it, but I can't. Whereas he's still doing it and he can. So, so it's a great tool to have. Um, the problem is, he's in there with a fighter who is extremely talented and capable himself. Um, but what we've got on our side is, Martin's really good with southpaws. He's got real good ring generalship and his, his knowledge and experience, what he's picked up over the last 10 years in being involved in all those big fights, he's going to stand him in good stead. And he's also been more active than Billy Joe over the last five years, which is strange when you look at it. But, you know, we all know Billy Joe's had those periods of inactivity where um, he was waiting on the bigger fights and it hasn't happened for him. So for Martin to be more active than him was strange when I seen, when I seen the stat. But it's a, it's a good thing where I mean, he's, he's not been in hard fights where he's got a lot of miles on the clock but he's been involved enough so he keeps his eye in his timing's there his distance is there so he's he's rested 
but he's still active, which is a which is a great position to be in. When you sort of took over full time training, did you make many adjustments, or did you feel like it was just a case of carrying on the work that Oliver did? Yeah, exactly that. Um, there, there wasn't anything in the work that I did with him, but. Yeah, I wouldn't have agreed with. I thought I did a fantastic job with him. I think everyone would agree that. So the old saying, if he's not broke, don't fix it. Um, sort of. The the only difference is it was the change of scenery. You know, we, he came and trained at my gym because at the point in time when I take when I when I took over, I wasn't training fighters. I was um, I was doing personal training, sort of making ends meet, pulling a bit of money in, and uh, I only trained Tommy Coyle. So. We we had to create our own gym and own environment at the gym where I was using with Steve Wood, the VIP gym, and then roughly around about the same time Martin came and Rocky came, Carl Frampton rang me and asked me if I was training fighters and if I'd be interested in training him. So he came along at pretty much the same time, say three or four weeks later, and then from that point and it's just snowballed and and we've ended up creating a a gym and an, an atmosphere which people talk about and and. Sort of, it's renowned for being a you know positive, sort of fun place to be. But we're getting results, which is which is I love that. I love the fact that people recognise that because it is people walk in and say you can feel the positive energy in the gym, which, which I love that. It's just it's probably one of the greatest compliments anyone can pay you. Positivity aside, then what makes you a good trainer? If people are coming to you, then you must be right. Well, yeah, I mean. I'd never put a label on myself and say I was a good trainer or a bad trainer. I would just say that I try my best to get the best out of a fighter and I feel like I know boxing. That's so. So if that makes you a good trainer because you feel like you know boxing, then that's fine. But I think a lot, a lot of what gets the best out of people is understanding them as an individual. I think if you try and train everybody the same, it's never going to work because everyone's so different. So we've had success, I believe, because a lot of the time you get the best out of a fighter when when they're happy and they're enjoying themselves. And this sport is the hardest sport in the world. It's ridiculously tough. If you take it too serious, it can drive you mad. And you know anyone who follows any of us on social media will see that the vast majority of the time, the stuff that goes on social media is is, is, is fooling around, playing games, you know, and, and having the crack, because that's what we're doing a lot of the time. But we, they, they miss seeing the stuff where I'm shouting at them, or, 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 or I, I sort of knuckle down and go, right, lads, come on, let's go. The best part of every single person in that gym is, as soon as I say that, bang, without a question or or any messing around, they're on it, they're straight in, because they understand. <laughs> I'm like them. I'm 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 one of the worst people for for sort of messing around and, and having fun. But as soon as it's time to get that word done, that's the most important thing. And then once we do that, we can go away from it. And I think if you get the balance right of enjoying yourself and getting the the, the best word done, the most intelligent word done. A lot of people train too much, too hard, I believe. You know, they, they train too hard too often. And, and my big thing is with, with my lads and girls is if I ask you to train hard, I'm doing it for a reason. I'm not just doing it for, for sort of to, to make it sound good or look good or, or just tie it out. If you, we're doing it for a reason. I will never do it two days on the trot because it's detrimental to um, to your recovery, the benefit what you're going to get from the session the day before, and a lot of the stuff I've learned about that is from Kerry Case. Kerry Case is is a fountain of knowledge in terms of the human body and how it reacts and responds to different stuff. So his input over the last 10, 15 years has been massive. So so I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by good people. Oliver Harrison was phenomenally intelligent trainer. Kerry Kay is massively intelligent in terms of nutrition and stuff. And I feel like I've been surrounded by good people and without even understanding it or realising it, and I've, I've ended up taking all that on board and I'm now in a position where I can pass that on to other fighters. Um, and I think they can relate to me a little bit more because I'm younger, because I'm closer to their ca- career. And um, and it just seems to be working. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful that I'm in a position where I can still help fighters and help them achieve what they want to achieve 
and be involved in it because the worst thing is getting to the end of your career and not being involved in boxing. And how long have you actually had from for this fight from when it was when you were told about it? So I sort of found out about it about maybe sort of potentially about nine weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and then within a week or so we were sort of saying right, could you know whenever it actually got announced, then it was probably a week or two before that. So. Uh, but luckily, Martin has been ticking over training, keeping himself fit. Um, and because he's at the stage of his career, he's been through these training camps and stuff that often, his body responds really well. So it only takes him sort of five or six weeks to get from not really being fight fit at all to sort of three weeks later being pretty, you know, eight, eight round fight fit to a couple of weeks later, he's 12 round fight fit. He really responds quickly. And that's what I mean about understanding your fighter. Every fight is different, and, uh, and I'm luckily, luckily, I've been around Martin long enough to know how his body responds and and training around injuries and training fighters that age. You know, I trained Matt Macklin early on in my career, and he was sort of 32, 33. And even at that stage of your career, depending on the, the person, you've got to navigate training differently. You can't just flog it and train hard as often as you can when you're 23, 24, 25. So, um, so yeah. I feel like I've got an old head on me and a relatively young pair of shoulders for a trainer, so I think that's helping as well. I'm sure you're preparing for the best for Joe Saunders, but he hasn't always, by his own admission, I think, trained for fights. Is, is that somewhere Martin might have the advantage, being always fit? Well, if we're being brutally honest, you look at this on a piece of paper and go, who's going to win that fight? And you're going to say Billy Joe Saunders. You know, you're going to say, yeah, it'll probably be close-ish, but Martin's 38 and he's, he comes up short. He already has done in, in world title shots. Billy Joe Saunders is unbeaten, he's younger, and um, and he's got a world title, so he's, he's reached that stage where Martin didn't. So if you're looking at it on paper, it looks like Billy Joe's going to win. We have to then look at different areas and go, right, where can we get an advantage? So first of all, we've got to look at ourselves and go, we put ourselves in the best position possible to pull this off. But even if we do that, if Billy Joe's at his absolute best, then we're still going to come short. So during the fight, we have to do some stuff where tactically we have to get him in, manoeuvre him into positions where he doesn't want to be. But then outside of that, he's outside of our control. Then we've got to rely on Billy Joe being you know, a little bit lazy as he has been in the past. I think one of the aspects which could fall into this, which is sometimes there's nothing you can do as a fighter. I've, I've, I've experienced this myself. No matter how much you try and get yourself up for a fight, if it's not coming naturally, then if you're then involved in a tough fight, it's a tough old night. Because if you know you're going to be in a tough fight and it's a tough fight, you just do it. You know, that, that instinct, the reason why we fighters in the first place, kicks in and you just do it. If you feel like it's not going to be a tough fight and then all of a sudden you're involved in a tough fight, then it's a, it's a tough night's work. So we've got a hope that Billy, Billy Joe's overlooked mine a little bit. And if he has overlooked him and he's not took him as seriously as possible, then maybe he struggled at the weight a little bit. Um, so, so there's aspects outside of our control which we've got a hope fall into play to give us a better chance of winning. But even if everything's equal, I'm confident Martin Murray can pull this off because I've seen him do it against Sergio Martinez, who was number two pound for pound fighter in the world at the time. And many believe he won that fight. You know, he's not 35 anymore, he's 38, but he's still capable of putting a performance in along them lines. So he'll need to be at that sort of level. And then for, to give us an even better chance of him winning, then we've got to hope that some of the other things fall into place. And we know what it would mean for Martin. What would it mean for you? It'd mean everything to me because I know what it'd mean to mine. I've said this many times before in interviews. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this. So, so, so you know, let's not tell lies. I get paid and, and depending on the fight, I get paid. And, and, and we do, we're doing okay for ourselves now. So someone told me years ago, if you never want to work a day in your life, find something you love and then find a way to get paid for it. I'm doing something I love because I know how difficult this job is, uh, being a boxer is. So for me to be able to help somebody win a fight and know what it means to win a fight, then 
that's the next best thing. So because I know what this would mean to mine, then if it meant nothing to mine, it'd mean nothing to me. So because I know the, the impact it'll have on him, and what it would have meant to Oliver more than anything, because me and Martin are so close, I was so close to Oliver, because we know what it would have meant to him, makes it all that extra special. Eddie, thank you for, for joining me. At the start of this year, uh, Billy Joe Saunders very close to fighting Canelo Alvarez. Martin Murray not really in the conversation for the world title fight. Things have happened, of course. How did this fight come about? I mean, talk about close. I mean, he was in Los Angeles. We were a day away from doing the press conference to announce the Canelo Alvarez fight. And then it was just, a, look, with everything going on, have you seen this COVID-19? I think we just give it a week and see what happens. And then it was lost forever. So he came back, I think his head fell off for a little bit, you know, as a lot of fighters did. Uh, put on some weight and then realised that he wants to fight this year. With the travel restrictions that were in place at the time, we looked at the Brits, we looked at John Ryder, we looked at Rocky Fielding, we looked at Martin Murray. Obviously, he was supposed to fight Martin Murray um, I think two or three times previously. And that was the fight we, we chose to make. Um, I've worked with Martin Murray quite a bit in his career and one of his close friends phoned me up and said, I know Martin's in consideration for Billy Joe Saunders, but please give him the opportunity. He deserves it. You know, I want him to have one more shot at it. I believe he can do it. He should have been a world champion. And it just played on the heartstrings a little bit. And I went, yeah, I think it makes sense. So we made the fight. And it's an interesting dynamic, really, because when you listen to Martin Murray and Jamie and the talk of Oliver Harrison and stuff like that, you can get bought into the, the romance of it, can't you? That he's going to be doing this for Oliver and he'll put everything into it. Then on the other side, you see a bit of a maverick, really, in Billy Joe Saunders and a guy that everyone says, like if you ask the fight community, the, the, the boxing community, who do you rate as your number one pound for pound fighter in Britain? There's a lot of people who would say Billy Joe Saunders. And when you watch him against Andy Lee and you watch him against Lemieux, you think, fuck me, this guy can fight. And then all of a sudden he'll let himself down. You know, last time out against Caceres, I mean, granted, he, there was an issue with his visa and he couldn't get to LA till the Monday and, you know, etc. But I just feel that he's one bad performance away from almost people giving up on him. And he's one great performance away from people saying, He's the real deal. He can beat anyone at 168 pounds. So it's a fine line. And you saw last week in the Danny Jacobs fight, it was like, if you put in a, a below par performance, it really takes you out of the equation. You know, right now, Canelo's going, I want to fight Billy Joe Saunders. The broadcasters are saying, we like that fight. You know, Saunders against Andrade, Saunders against Golovkin. So, and then a lacklustre display will just take you completely off that list. So. I think the pressure's really on him, and I think he's got to look sensational, because people in boxing give Martin Murray a chance, but what I've seen on social media is, oh, easy win for Billy Joe, you know? So really, the only way you can impress people is to look a million dollars. Martin Murray, I could, you could argue, doesn't have a notable victory of £168. Mm -hmm. How did you manage to get him into the rankings? Um, I don't promote him. So his management company got him into the rankings. Um, he was world-ranked, and then he lost to Hassan and Dan. And then he came back and he won a fight and they applied to put him in. Um, we requested that this fight, you know, we, we confirmed with the WBO that if he did find, uh, if they did rank him in their monthly meeting, then we would accept him as an opponent for Billy Joe Saunders. So would the broadcaster. I think, you know, at a time where it's difficult to get fights over the line, um, you know, Billy Joe Saunders needed the right opponent and a Brit was that guy. So once it was confirmed, they considered him. To be honest, if you look at rankings, I mean, when you look at the WBA rankings at super middleweight, I had this problem when he boxed Caceres. No, and he nearly lost to Caceres. And I'm going through the rankings thinking, how are you in the rankings? You know, so I think Martin Murray, you know, like I said before, the Hassan and Dam defeat, he was WBC number three, I think, with, uh, for the, with the silver champion as well. But I think this is not really going to come down to the past, any of it. It just comes down to on the night. Um, I don't think you've been in this bug yet, have you? You've no. been, you was at fight camp, weren't you? No. They didn't get it. It's weird. You know what I mean? And it's like, you get when you go in there, you think, you know, anything can happen in here. Because Billy Joe might walk out and just be flat as a pancake. 
and Martin Murray might just listen to Jamie and just put like just have 12 rounds of of, of, of magic um, but this fight I think is about Billy Joe it's not really about if Billy Joe does his thing and performs he'll, he'll do a number on Martin Murray if Billy Joe is below par or even average he could lose this fight and there's nothing that's shown me that if I was Martin Murray's I'd be, I'd be sitting here now saying to you, tell me what Billy Joe Saunders has done in the last two years to make you think Martin Murray can't win this fight. You go, yeah, well, he's, you know, yeah, but what, his last performance? Murray would have beat him that night. You know, the performance before, when he won, Murray might have beat him that night. So I, w I would be, and, and you know, you can fall in love when you have a fighter in a fight, and I would be falling in love with Martin Murray in this situation, saying, and even his, you know, his, his team, telling him, he's going to do this, he's going to do this. I've heard it all before, but... It's not like he's fighting Canelo Alvarez, who's coming in form. And with Billy, you just never know. You just never know. You know, Mark Tibbs tells me he worked his nuts off in his camp. He was very heavy going into the camp, you know. So it would, it would be a huge shock if he was to get beat. I think, I mean, everybody knows Martin's story for World Titans. Mm, yeah. It would almost be typical for him to win it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doors. Yeah. The fight that he's know, really He's got a great fan base from St Helens, you know, and they've followed him everywhere. I mean, isn't it mad that this is the first world title challenge in the UK? I mean, he definitely beat Sergio Martinez. I think he just edged Stern, but it was in Germany. I actually don't think he beat Abraham, but it was close. But so he should have got one of the three, certainly. Um, but you are right. You know, the only the only silver lining would be is he would defend his world title and he would do it in front of fans next year but it would be ironic of all the places he's travelled Argentina you know Monaco uh, wherever Germany Germany that he wins it in Britain and it's behind closed doors Is there a rematch clause? Yes So it would be against Yeah uh, It's the option of a rematch clause so you know, subject to him wanting to move down or retire then yeah there would be a rematch clause Billy Joe difficult to work with? Billy Joe is a little bit like um, being in a relationship, meeting someone, and then having come out of a poor relationship and they have no trust in you. That's how it starts off. And, you know, it takes time to develop that trust. We have it now. You know, when we first started working together. He had an issue with his visa, it was delayed. And he phoned me up, he said, I know what you're doing. I said, sorry. He went, you don't want me to fight, you just want to save money. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, your chief support on the card. I said, I've just signed you. No, no, no. You're trying to save money by not having me fight on the bill. And I'm like, what? You know what I mean? And now it's, it's much better. You know, I said to him, look, this is the fight. You know, obviously we've got no fans, this is the money, this is, you know, and it, once he was happy with everything, not a problem. With Billy, he just gets bored. Anyone that knows him, he's not a nasty person. He's not, you know, he's, he's got a really good heart and he's a nice bloke. He's just a bit of an idiot sometimes. And he just doesn't think before he does things. And he gets bored and he's restless and he does stupid things. And that's what we're trying to contain. Done a quite good job doing that, but it's when you leave him alone and he just gets bored that he wants to do something funny in front of his mates or what he perceives to be funny. Sometimes he's tasteless. But I just want to keep him focused on the boxing. And I think what he's got to do here is fight, have a couple of weeks off Christmas, straight back into camp again. Because you just can't do that with your weight. You know, you've seen it with Kel Brook, you've seen it with Ricky Hatton, you've seen it with all these guys. And he's not even a bad dude. It's not like he goes out boozing, like, you know, down the pubs and having 10 pints. He just eats his food and he don't train. And he, before you know it, boom, he's 15 stone. You know, with the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're there. <laughs> Just quickly on next week, you're now going to have a thousand fans yeah. for Joshua Pulev. That's bound to take 50 pence off the pay per view price, no? No, it's, it's actually to police it. I think we're probably in net loss, to be honest with you. It's like people say, oh, are you going to charge like five grand a ticket? No, we're charging exactly the same as what we'd charge if we were in the O2. Um, because it's not really, it's not about the revenue, it's about policing it correctly and proving to the council, to the government, to DCMS, that we can do it. 
Do you know what I mean? That's much more important. That's going to help us a lot more in the long run. So, you know, revenue-wise, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand, but time you've put the stewarding in place, time you've changed your deal with the venue, time, time you've, you know, staffed the place, it doesn't really make a big difference. But by being able to bring them back, we know we can get a thousand to wipe the vet or to Warrington against Kanzu or Kelly against Avanesian. And actually, by then, it might be 2,000. And it might be 5,000, and then the vaccine will come in, and then next spring, summer, we're open and we return to normality. Because it's, you know, it's been, I think everyone's done a really good job, to be honest with you. I think pe people in boxing have sort of rolled their sleeves up and gone, we've got to crack on. The, the consequences of that will only be seen in some businesses once the dust has settled. And it hasn't been great for anyone, but. I think it's quite fitting that they should come back for Asia. And it would still be weird if only a thousand people in there, because it's a 9,000 arena. You know, so it's not going to be like this mental atmosphere. If it was a thousand in your court, it'd be wild, wouldn't it? But it won't be. But it would just be good to see people and to see people enjoying boxing again. I understand the argument about pay per view and mm. about the loss of revenue and mm. why it's 25 pounds. Mm. Is the argument not, though, that pay per view in general mm. is getting a bit out of hand, given the fact that prices are going up and up? Therefore, you've got to put them on the mm -hmm. view. Are we not just getting carried away with purses, and that's why? Yeah, maybe. But the problem is, is it's all about supply and demand. The numbers are better than ever for pay-per-view. So, on one hand, you can say there's too many pay-per-views and it's too expensive. But on the other hand, they'll say, but we're selling more than ever. We're generating more money to pay the fighters more money, and it's working. That model is working. And when a model is working, it's very difficult to say it's not working. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, I do understand the argument at the same time, but you know, you do wipe Povetkin and it does 300,000 buyers, Usyk Jazora basically done the same, you know, generating the amount of money that enables you to put that fight on with no crowd, really. I mean, it, that's what happened. Essentially, both fighters agreed to take less money and the less money was the, the, the gate. So whatever the gate would have generated, just evaporated and they got what they got. Um, I will say one thing, they're, they're rolling the dice, the fighters, on pay-per-view, because that's how the model works. So ultimately, your purse is governed by what the pay-per-view generates. So Dillian White took a massive gamble on his paycheck when he bought the because it could, you know, we come out of a pandemic, didn't we? I, don't, I mean, I didn't know, maybe it, maybe it bombs and does 150, but it racks in 300,000 pay-per-view buyers and he makes fantastic money for the Alexander Povetkin fight. So, until that point where, you know, Tyson against, um, when you look at America, and it's 75 bucks a pay-per-view, they're doing 150, 200,000 for like the, you know, uh, Spence Garcia fights and the Javante Davis fight. And then, apparently, Mike Tyson does a million. So, you look at that fight and you say, how can that fight be what was it, 60 bucks or something in America, or whatever it was, and then it does 1.2 million. And you say, we've got to do another. And some people say, we can't do that, that's ridiculous. And then the broadcast says, well, you know, until every, everything that you do is based on the results of that product, the sales of that product. And right now, pay-per-view is selling more than ever. And I think part of that reason is, there's more people at home. You know, you can't be going out, you can't go to a nightclub, you can't go to a dinner, you can't do all this with your friends. So more people are at home in front of the, the, the box, the TV, looking for an evening of entertainment. Now when we come back and it returns to normality, will there be too many? But ultimately, the, the results of a pay-per-view will always be driven by how good it is. If it's a really good fight with a big name, you're going to do hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. If it's not a good pay-per-view, you do less fights but the range will always be 250 to 1.25 million. Or when he fights Fury, two million. Do you know what I mean? And how good the card is depends on, you know, you do Hay Bellion, it's up there. You do Hay Chizor Usyk, it's down there. So I just think it's difficult when the numbers keep increasing. Are they not only increasing because you can't watch high, high, high level boxing any other way? Um, yeah, maybe, but I just think no one's doing fewer shows. Like, you know, we have a world title fight this week. We start next year, we'll probably have uh, Warrington against Kanzu, unification 
Saturday night fight night, or I just had Dubois. You know, so you're getting high level boxing, but the money isn't there from the broadcasters to pay the purses for the bigger fights. If it was, we wouldn't do pay-per-view. I, I don't believe it or not. So, you know, we still, we gamble as well on the pay-per-view. I'd rather not, I'd rather have an easy night and say, give me my money. It's a bit like Warren with Joyce Dubois last week. If he would have run that on pay-per-view, he'd have been taking a gamble with his lifetime. But actually, he ended up getting BT to put up the money and just go and enjoy the show. So, we don't really have a choice unless you turn around to the fighters and say, well, we can't pay it. Then you lose the fighters because someone else will pay it. So we have to find a way to hit the numbers, and the only way we can hit the numbers is on pay-per-view. Now, if the pay-per-view numbers all of a sudden don't deliver, then that's probably when the purses will reduce. But until then, I don't really know the answer. Because the broadcasters look at it and say it's fantastic. You know, we've got, we've got our 18 or 16 Saturday night, Friday night shows and next gens and golden contracts or whatever. And then we've got our six pay-per-views that are all doing great numbers. And AJ, I mean, how many will AJ Poo left it? I don't know, 600, something like that, 500, I mean, still, you know. But he's losing 10 million on the game. So, yeah. As you, as you say, it's a business, not, not a charity. I, I understand. No, I don't, I don't even think it's that. It's just demand, supply and demand. It's working. I do think when we get the opportunity, I think the bigger problem it's harder to do big fights on Saturday night fight nights because of the way the purses have escalated. Do you know what I mean? So my problem is not... I don't have a problem with AJ Pulev or White Povetkin because I know they're going to hit numbers. What I have a problem with is... Like, we could do Warrington against Kanzu on pay-per-view, right? It only does 100,000 buys. But that's probably more that would generate more than what I'll be getting in a rights fee for that fight, do you know what I mean? So, but it would be a waste of time doing that pay-per-view. Wouldn't it be better trying to do a million audience on Sky and actually, you know, creating a, I want to try and do bigger and better fights on Saturday Night Fight Nights, but it's very hard, especially with no game, because the money's not there. But it's the level between what's pay-per-view and what's a Saturday Night Fight Night. I want to try and do more of these. It's like, it's just, like, you shouldn't do a pay-per-view unless it would do 200,000 buys minimum. And even then, it's borderline. But if you do 2 million buyers at uh, £19.95, which is 16 quid net, you know, 200,000 buyers will generate 3 million, 3.2 million quid. And the time you get your money from the broadcast, like, no, call it 1.8, 2 million quid, whatever it is. And on a Saturday night fight night, you might get 300 grand. Too much disparity between regular rights fees and pay-per-view rights fees. So, and the ones in the middle, I don't know, it's good it gone. Liam Smith against Kelbrook. Yeah, right, definitely not pay-per-view, but right in the middle of those two. They're the kind of fights that if we can get those on Saturday night fight nights, and as my contract runs out with Sky, some point next year, if we discuss renegotiating, that's where we try to get the budget to be able to change that. Or you go to the zone? Yeah, I mean, there's five or six people trying to get us. But if we have the choice, as I've said, you know, we've got a fantastic relationship with Sky, but we do need that investment because the only one that takes a stick in me, you know. But what I want to be able to do is put those kind of fights on, on a Saturday night fight night and not have to do, you know, maybe you get to a point where even a 250 pay-per-view doesn't work. That, that sits on the, the fight night. And you only do pay-per-view because it's four or five hundred and then less people than money. But what I'm getting at is at 250 and beyond, you have a very good business. So whilst those numbers keep hitting the 300s and 350s and 400s, there's no excuse not to do really. Just finally, have you invited Tyson Fury to next week? I haven't, but I think the few broadcasters have, and he'd be more than welcome, and he should come. Because he... If AJ wins, he's going to fight AJ. So I would be, watch, I would be wanting to watch him up close. 
and make some noise and build that fight. So oh, I think he will. Do you have any idea as to whether he will fight in another fight? I, I think if we can get the fight done and agreed for May, he won't fight in the meantime. I don't think there's any point. Because we wouldn't want him to fight. And, you know, there's, with, with the undisputed situation with the governing bodies, you, need, you don't want an interim fight because it will mess everything up. You want to say, that fight's made, that fight's happened. Not, that fight's made, but he's going to have one more now and then we'll see if he gets through that and then you know, that won't work. So straight into it. As a percentage, how hopeful are you that happens? 90, 90%. Really. I mean, I, they, it's the only fight they're looking at. Really. I mean, other than he was going to have a run out in June, uh, January or February or whatever, I've said to him, just, let's just do it. It's the only fight we're looking at. Not, we haven't got one other fight in mind. The only fight we have in mind is Usyk, if Fury don't, don't fight. But there's nothing. Other than a few broadcast bits and pieces, which are all solvable, it's all ready to go. And most likely abroad still. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I said on the Zoom call earlier was some countries may not be willing at the moment to confidently spend that kind of money to secure the fight. They might want to wait two months to see if the vaccines worked or if sport returns. It's quite a big punt at the moment, isn't it, for that kind of money to say, mate, no problem. You know? And that would lend itself to doing it in the UK. Because actually we don't have that worry in the UK, we just put Wembley and we'll do it. And you'd have to think by May or June with the vaccine and you know but who knows. That's all from the Boxing Hour for this week. Please do give the podcast a rating and a review if you've enjoyed it. And you can also check out our other shows. On a Monday, I speak to Declan Taylor and George Groves about the weekend's action and look ahead to what's next for the winners and losers. And then on a Tuesday, my colleague Rich Jones talks to an up-and-coming prospect in One to Watch. I'll be back next week with more guests on the Boxing Hour. Until then, take care.